if the president want to have the most impact, right? We're looking at at least canceling up to $50,000. That is where you get to move the needle. So what do you say to the one percenters like Elon Musk? Black borrowers describe student debt as Jim Crow debt. This is really a racial and economic justice initiative. The student loan system itself is fundamentally broken. The existing relief options that are available to borrowers are not working as they were intended, you know, by Congress. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Well Acquainted Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the state of the student loan debt. We have a special guest with us on today, and he is a subject matter expert on this information. So you're in for a real treat. Before we introduce our guest, I just want to introduce myself as your co-host, Tamara. I'm a recent law graduate and a candidate for the July Bar, and I'll now turn it over to my co-host, Nika, and let her introduce herself to you all. Hello, WAP listeners and new listeners. Welcome to the Well Acquainted Podcast. My name is Nika. I am your other co-host. For those who are new to our platform, I am an attorney practicing in Washington, D.C., and I primarily practice labor law. I want to briefly just congratulate our co-host, Tamara, from graduating law school this weekend from my alma mater, now hers, the Catholic University of America Columbus School of Law. Law school is no easy feat, but you persevere. So congratulations on such an amazing accomplishment. I'm proud of you. With that being said, let's let's turn it over now to my dear friend, who's been a friend of mine for a few years now, Alpha Taylor. And I just want to give a brief introduction. Alpha Taylor is an attorney also based in Washington, D.C. He is a consumer law attorney for the National Consumer Law Center, where his focus is on the student debt crisis. In addition to that, Alpha previously worked as a staff attorney in Cincinnati, Ohio, for the Legal Aid Society of Greater Cincinnati. And during that time, he handled foreclosure, eviction, and student loan cases. Alpha also did some notable work for Legal Aid Society, where he helped establish the Hamilton County Eviction Prevention Project and he is a graduate of the Case Western University Law School. So um, let's welcome Alpha, and thank you for being here, Alpha. Hey, thank you, Nick. Thank you, Also, Alpha. congrats to Tamara. Uh, welcome to, <laughs> to the family and welcome to the profession. Uh, it's a great profession, and uh, wishing you all the best, you know, as you hit up the bar in July. Thank you so much, Alpha. Well, let's get started on this topic, right? So we're talking about the student debt, student loan crisis. And for those who aren't aware, President Biden among promising that he was going to na- nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court, which he recently just did. He also promised that he was going to cancel or forgive student loan debt. And so one of the big questions that I have, that many attorneys have that I've discussed this topic with, is whether he can legally do so. Can you provide your input on, on just that? Great. And I think, Nika, you hit it on the spot. Uh, when President Biden was running for office, uh, he promised to forgive at least $10,000 in student debt. That is a promise that he made to voters. That is a promise that he made to black voters, especially black women voters who actually helped President Biden win the presidency. In regards to whether or not the president has the authority to cancel student debt, 
our position is that he in fact has the authority to do that. This is not a situation where we need some sort of a, uh, you know, act of Congress for the president to use executive power to cancel student debt. Uh, the legal analysis that we have seen uh, from Harvard Law School, Center on, Pred uh, on Predatory Lending, lays out the case under which the president has the authority under the SGA to, to uh, settle or compromise debt owed to the United States through the Secretary of Education. And also, I mean, keep in mind that the president body has not stated that he does not have the authority, right? So I think we are beyond the point as to whether or not he has authority to, you know, how is he going to implement student debt cancellation? Last year, his chief of staff, Ron Clinton, stated that President Biden had ordered uh, Secretary Cardona to draft a memo basically outlining his power as to whether or not he has the authority to do that. Now, we have not seen the context of that memo, but based on recent statement, like recently, I mean, if you're watching the news we're hearing a lot of stuff from Jen Psaki and also people who are very close to the to the White House that, you know, he is going to take some action. I believe the president himself said that he's going to take action, not in regards to the 50000 but at least uh, $10,000 student debt. So I think now the debate is how is cancellation going to look like? How is he going to implement it? And, and I'll briefly note, Alpha, I agree, just from my own research, I think he has a legal authority to do so, and the White House officials have not definitely said he can't. Um, in your question, you mentioned HEA, which is the Higher Education Act. For our listeners who may not know what that is, Alpha, can you briefly explain what the Higher Education Act is um, and how is it relevant to the student loan um, crisis? I mean, the, the, the Higher Education Act is essentially the statutory law governing, you know, federal student loan programs. It also governs the authority of the Secretary of Education under the direction of the president. So it's a, it's, it's a very specific law relating to the different type of loan that you have, whether you have direct loan or you have a fair loan that's family education loan program. All of those loans are regulated under the ACA. Uh, so it's a, it's a federal statute, essentially, that governs the Department of Education interaction for, for federal student law, and it also outlines the authority of the Secretary of Education. So I, I have another question. For those who may know, WAP, our, our intent is to empower our communities one episode at a time, each and every perspective at a time. And this student debt crisis is undoubtedly going to be affecting a lot of communities racially, based on your social economic status. And so one of my questions is, if President Biden is, in fact, going to forgive student loan debt, whether that be entirely or whether that be we see in the headlines up to 10K, maybe more, who is it particularly going to have the most impact on? What, what What communities is this really going to be impacting? I mean, that's a great question, Nika. To answer that question, we have to look at who is being disproportionately impacted by the student debt crisis, right? Uh, and the data shows that African-Americans, in comparison to, to all other races, are being more disproportionately impacted. African-Americans tend to carry a higher amount of student debt coming out of college. Uh, black women, they, they, they carry a substantial amount of student debt than any other group. As a matter of fact, uh, black women tend to owe $20,000 more in student debt than white women. So in canceling student debt, we really do a lot to advance equity in regards to ensuring that students of color who've been disproportionately un unfairly burdened by student debt at least have a path towards student debt cancellation. Now, the question is how much is going to move the needle, right? 
So if you, I mean, if the president do $10,000, yes, certainly you will have some people, like many low-income borrowers. Now, I also want to stress that, I mean, these student loan borrowers are not just the doctors and the lawyers that we hear about who are making so much money and they don't want to pay their student loan debt. The data show, you know, contrary to that, most student loan borrowers are low-income people, people who are defrauded by for-profit colleges. I'm talking about, you know, that single mother who's, you know, trying to, you know, make make her daily living, but she realized that, hey, I need to get this certification so that I can get that promotion. I need to get this certification so that I can earn more to provide for my family. She also have groups, you know, disabled individuals who luckily President Biden has implemented reform to provide discharges for individuals who are, you know, totally and permanently disabled. So there's a wide range of section of society, including older Americans. Older Americans also have student loan debt. Either they take out student loans for themselves or they got parent plus loan to support their children or grandchildren through college and they are stuck with that student debt. And what happens is that that debt follows them and the government has extraordinary collection powers. You're talking about garnage and wages, uh, taking, you know, uh, social security benefits payments, but also, you know, offsetting tax refund from people who need it the most. So these are the people who are carrying the heaviest burden. You have 9 million borrowers who are in default of federal student loan. They have no way out of default. And some of these borrowers, they don't owe much. They don't owe the 200, the 500,000. That debt is maybe 10 to $50,000, but they can't get out of it unless there is some sort of an action, you know, in regards to the administration relieving these borrowers from the burden of student debt. Yeah, Alpha, I have a question. So what do you say to the one percenters like Elon Musk that I think he recently tweeted about the student loan debt crisis and he was saying how people should pay their own debts off and how, um, you know, it's not a good thing for the rest of us to take on all this debt. So what are some of the cons to potentially President Biden canceling all this debt for these individuals? Now, I'm not going to make the argument for the people who are against student debt. I'm pro-student debt cancellation because I believe it advanced our nation's you know, economic agenda, but also advanced uh, racial equity. Now, what is the one percenters or those Americans who think like, you know, hey, you should pay your own debt. I mean, we don't want to talk about paying debt when you think about the debt that Americans owe to Black people who are being disproportionately impacted by the student debt crisis. Now, I think this argument centered around the people who they think, all right, lawyers and doctors, they make a lot of money. They should, you know, take care of themselves. Lawyers and doctors who are making a lot of money, they can afford to pay that student loan debt, right? But those people who don't have the money, don't have the resources, don't have the income, who are still struggling for them to carry that debt that, you know, for such a long time, we're not talking about five years or 10 years. For most borrowers who are not on a public servant loan forgiveness program, we're talking about 20 to 25 years. That is a very long time to carry a debt. And when you look at the yeah. debt crisis, it is actually the largest consumer debt or uh, non-mortgage consumer debt. That means we have more student debt than cars and than credit card debt. So this is an ever-growing debt. And there is no, effect, no more effective way to address it they're implementing some form of cancellation so that we can help those people who are being heavily burdened by the student debt crisis. Yeah, and I will say, you know, to, to Elon Musk's Twitter, um, it's easier for the top 1%
or anyone in that social economic status to be up and be in opposition of this, right? Because they have the funds, it's easier for them to not find this advantageous for themselves as it would be for someone from a low, lower social economic status and particularly people of color and black women. Secondly, what I would say is from what you're saying, Alpha, this is really a racial and economic justice initiative. Yes, it is a racial and economic you know, justice issue because the pretense of the question that they should pay their debt come from the assumption that some of these borrowers who attended these colleges had a choice that, you know, poor people, black people who actually have less wealth, you know, than the average white family, that they had a choice that, you know, your parents could have paid your way. Like most black people who are just studying, if you look at the, 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 the history of America, you look at the racial discrimination, economic disenfranchisement, disenfranchisement of black people, where we're not allowed to accumulate the wealth so that we can support our children through college, you know, student loan for black people and for low-income people is not a choice. If you want to go to college and you're a black and your parents don't have the funds, you're going to sign that dotted line. You're not reading to look oh what the interest rate is like, or you're not reading to say oh, what my repayment plan is going to look like when I graduate in four years. You're just trying to get an education. Why? Because America taught us. America said if you want to succeed, if you want to have economic mobility, the best way to do that is to get an education. And most black people did that. Even black women. After black women get the education, right? After they get the undergraduate degree, that is still not enough. They are still getting paid less than white men. They are still getting paid less than white women. So for black women to get to the point where they can be economically stable, they have to pursue these advanced degrees. And what comes with these degrees? More student debt. But that is what is required for them to achieve that level of success. So even if you see a black lawyer or a black doctor who's making $200,000, $300,000, right? They have already accumulated that debt. They are struggling still because they are looking after other people, right? You have a situation where... Most you know, successful black people have to not only take care of themselves, because if you're successful as a black person, you know, some of us are the first black lawyers in our family. We're the first black doctors, right? There is the burden to help the generation of your family members who've been left behind. So you also have that economic burden, that, that obligation to take care of your family, plus to pay thousands of dollars in student debt. And then when you add up your life you know, issues, having children, you know, buying a house, these things, you know, is impacting black people. Like, I mean, it may not affect the one percenters who can afford to write a check and get a, get that debt paid, but it is affecting that black family, that black child, and that black mother who wants a better future, who is trying to pay the bills for her children, but she can't pay her bills for her children, and she can't pay for daycare because she has to write a check to the United States government for a debt that the government and the president of the United States has the ability to forgive. And I just want to clarify, when I'm talking about people paying, I'm talking about pre-pandemic, before the payment pause was implemented, because right now, obviously, no one is paying student loan debt, at least up until August. So I just want to clarify that. I mean, no federal direct student loan borrower is paying to uh, make any student loan payment, unless they decide to pay voluntarily. And just going back to my first question, like, I don't think it's just the one percenters mm -hmm. like Mr. Musk, but... I was looking at the statistics and 45% of Americans are on board with the debt being forgiven. Now, there are some individuals I was reading about who are a bit frustrated um, by this initiative because they have already paid off their loans and debts, right? So you have this category of individual professionals who are like, well, I've spent all these years, 10, 20, and 30 years paying off my debt. 
So it's not fair. So what would you potentially say to those individuals? I mean, my response to that is that low-income borrowers, Black people, Black women can say, you know, it's not fair that our parents were economically disenfranchised, that they were subject to racist economic policy. It's not fair that my parents were not given the opportunity to generate wealth to put me through college. It's not fair that, you know, even when I get the education that I have earned, I cannot get a job because I'm Black or because I'm a woman. It's not fair that I have to get this degree for you to give me some sort of legitimacy for you to pay me what I'm worth. So when you talk about fairness, I don't think that is the best argument to come and address this student debt crisis issue. And and I also like to point out, this is not the first time that, you know, we as a country has paid off a debt where a certain percent of the population do not benefit from, right? I mean, we have built up other folks before. We shouldn't look at this as an issue as to, you know, who's benefiting. I always tell people, we have to look at it down from the bottom up. Who's being crushed? Black people are being crushed by this debt. Low-income people are being crushed by, the, by this debt. The one percenter can write a check. You know, those who are, you know, lucky enough, and I applaud those people who are able to pay that debt. I think every Black person out there wish they had the ability, they didn't have the restraints, that they could also write a check to the United States government and clear off that debt. But unfortunately, because the America is set up, most black people don't black borrowers don't, they didn't have the opportunity and are still struggling to get the opportunity within that group i think there are a lot of african americans who are professionals who are in that top five ten percent maybe even one percent who have been able to pay off their loans so they may be frustrated as well but i think your point was interesting yes and there's always that one or two person who have the ability to do it and like i said we applaud those people and we wish more African-Americans, you know, had that choice. But I also just want to point out a statistic, right? A black student from a wealthy black family is more likely to default on their student loan than a white student from a, you know, poor white family. So even when black people attain the wealth, the burden of the debt is still impacting them because this goes beyond you owe me, you got to pay. We're looking at a long history of, you know, racial and economic, you know, discrimination, but also in the inability for the, the federal program, the way the program was designed to function as it was intended by Congress. So this is not just asking to forgive the loan to clear borrowers, but forgiving the student student debt will actually help the government fix the, the institutional problems that is wrong with the entire federal student loan program. And that's an interesting statistic that you raised, Alpha, right? Even that small percentage that are able to pay off that debt, they're still more likely to default than their white counterpart, which again goes by, this is really a a racial and economic justice. It's not about what's fair. It's not about those who actually, in fact, paid their debt and them having feelings that because they didn't get it, everyone else shouldn't get it. That's not the way we should see the world in society. So I agree with you. It's not really a good argument. And, And secondly, what I found interesting is Forbes has been reporting on the student debt crisis, and particularly the Obama, the Biden, sorry, administration, their their actions. And and one of the things that they have reported on that I had saw upon my research is that the Biden administration, I think himself, has expressly indicated that he opposes any student loan debt forgiveness that would favor attorneys than any other group that's in kind of that caliber of profession. So how do you feel about that? Because as, as being an attorney, I, I think sometimes there's just this presumption that no matter what attorney you are, whether it's in the private or public sector or whatever practice that you're doing, you make enough money, you're going to pay off your debt 
more likely beyond or before that 20-year average that it takes generally most people to pay off their debt. And that's not necessarily true. Yes. And I'm glad that you brought that point up, right? Because again, it reflects a misunderstanding of, of who student loan borrowers are. Not all attorneys make it to top law firm and make $150,000, $200,000, $300,000 a year, right? There are some attorneys, you know, who go to law school to go back to the community, to serve that community, to go into public interest, right? There are some doctors, black doctors, who leave the economically disempowered neighborhood to pursue medicine, not to make big bucks, but to go right back into this community to provide health care, to fill, you know, the, the gap in, in, in health care equity. So for I mean, that's a broad generalization, but it doesn't reflect what the data is. Student loan borrowers are not all attorneys. The majority are low income people. So I think that's an important point to highlight, but also to really help the audience understand that. Are high income people going to benefit from uh, from formal cancellation? Of course they are. But there have been many cases in American history where wealthy always ends up benefiting from policies that are intended to help those who are already, you know, suffering. So I don't think it's anything new to American history, but what we're trying to say is that, hey, it's not lawyers. It's not all lawyers. It's not all doctors. It's not rich people we're talking about. We're talking about people who are already struggling and then they have this debt on top of them that clearly they cannot pay. They cannot afford to pay it. I'll also... Just add, again, as I mentioned earlier, the president does have the authority to cancel it and, and the authority to really cancel it all. I think there's language um, explicitly within the Higher Education Act um, that you may be familiar with where it talks about waiving, releasing any title, any lien. And, and so from my reading of that language, it really is broad authority. Essentially, how I read it is that it gives the president through the secretary of education broad authority to cancel <laughs> student loan debt. And so we've heard a lot of talk that President Biden is inclined to, to proffer some type of loan forgiveness, but it would be up to 10K. And that's not um, even close to any relief for us, um, let alone the majority of Americans who are burdened by their student loan. And so I'm just curious on what your input on, on that is and, and why won't he just cancel it all? That's a very important point that you raise. But also, I also want to highlight that we're talking about debt that Congress has already appropriated for, right? This is we're not talking about debt that you know Congress have to you know tax and spend, deposit tax and spend. These are money that has already been out the door. The check has already left the Treasury, right? So this is a debt that is owed to the United States government that the president has the authority. Congress has already delegated that authority to the president through the Higher Education Act to settle and compromise debt over the United States. Now, there is a debate as to how far the president can go, but as for where we are right now and what is likely, right, and what amount of debt will help the most people, yes, people like us, $10,000 is not going to, you know, it's not even going to pay off the, uh, the outstanding interest that has accumulated, you know, ever since we graduated from college, right? So it's not going to move the needle, but $10,000 may move the needle for those low-income borrowers. If the president want to have the most impact, right, we're looking at at least canceling up to $50,000. That is where you get to move the needle. Canceling up to $50,000 or $50, in student debt will actually increase the wealth of, you know, black borrowers and black families by up to 40%. So at least you can move the needles towards closing the racial wealth gap based on the higher number of loans that you cancel or that you settle. 
So it's, we, we believe he has the broad authority to do it. The, the more amount he can do, the better it is for all borrowers, but especially, especially for low-income borrowers. What is the social and economic consequences of the student loan debt crisis on Americans? Great. Uh, as I was stating earlier, right, for most Americans, student debt is a lifetime debt sentence, right? According to a report by the Educational Trust, Black borrowers describe student debt as Jim Crow debt, that, you know, it follows you mm-hmm. for the, the rest of your lives. And you have to pay back a loan in 24, uh, 20 to 25 years. You're going to be well into your retirement trying to pay off this debt if you're not on like a public sector loan forgiveness or on a short payment term. But it, it is burdening not just black people, but also millennials, young people, right? Because your student debt affects your credit worthiness. So when you're trying to buy a house, lenders factors in how much student debt you have, right? Until recently, most lenders will, account, you know, will, will take 1% of whatever you owe in calculating your debt-to-income ratio. Now, if you owe like right. $300,000 or $150,000, 1% of that amount is enough to kick you out of the house that you're trying to get. So it prevents you from obtaining home ownership. It's preventing millennials and young people from even wanting to you know, invest in retirement because it's a heavy debt. It's also prevent uh, the ability for young people to engage in entrepreneurship. You know, if you're trying to get a loan, you need good credit, but... But the credit also taking into account your obligations. And as long as that debt, that debt is there, it makes things a little bit harder to move forward economically. Now, in regards to borrowers who default, like I said earlier, 9 million borrowers are in default of federal student loan debt. The administration has, has announced a plan to remove these borrowers from default, you know, hopefully, possibly put them on a path to repayment once the payment pause expires. But for them, before COVID, they were subject to wage garnishment, offset of their tax refund, uh, you know, uh, uh, seizure of their, you know, social security and disability benefits. So the economic consequences for borrowers is really bad because they are actually taking money that they could have used to pay off other bills, money that they could have used to invest into their children's future, or money that they could have used to take care of family members is going to the treasury of the United States government. So the economic consequences is really, you know, disproportionately impacted on low-income people, but America is going to benefit, right? By removing student debt, you're going to make it more easier for millennials and Black people to participate in their economy because we're going to go out there, we're going to, we're going to get homes, we're going to start new businesses, we're going to pursue new entrepreneurship dreams. So actually, eliminating student debt in the long run is going to make America better economically. So really, it sounds like this is this has been the, the country's best interest before the Biden administration, but even more now, considering those social and economic consequences that you just stated. Yes. Yes. It's definitely in the best interest of America long in the long run to forgive student debt, especially when you look at young people. I mean, look at housing, housing, house home prices right now. They're going, you know, they're skyrocketing, rocketing. So you might be making more than your grandparents did. But you have twice the debt that they had when they were in college. If you look at uh, the cost of college increased 1,200% since the 1980s. 1,200%. So it's like mm-hmm. we're, we're doing the same thing that our parents and grandparents did, but it's just that it's costing us more to do. And, you know, that, that's not fair. That's something that has to be addressed. But first, we got to forgive the debt that has been accumulated and make it easier for people to achieve an education without a huge uh, debt burden. Yeah, and another thing that I'm just curious to add 
is how successful has the income-driven repayment plan and the public interest loan service program been in, in, in regards to this crisis? Has it mitigated the burden on many Americans? I'm, I'm curious if you know the stats or, or what, what has been your observance of those two programs? Great. Now, because the other argument against student debt cancellation is like, you know, why don't you just pay, right? Borrowers are paying. The student loan system itself is fundamentally broken. The existing relief options that are available to borrowers are not working as they were intended, you know, by Congress. Uh, there was a recent GAG, uh, government accountability uh, office report that came out, and it stated that borrowers who are on uh, income-driven repayment plan. That's a repayment plan. I think most, you know, borrowers are about 4.4 million borrowers are on an income-driven repayment plan, right? So, and was to relieve the burden of student debt by tying your payment to how much you make, right? To a certain percent uh, of, your, of your income. So the average plan for an IDR, an income-based repayment plan, is, you know, 20 to 25 years. Well, 4.4 million of these borrowers have been in repayment for 20 to 25 years. Do you know the number of those borrowers who have actually gotten that loan forgiving on an IDR? I think it's around like 157 borrowers, Right. And then you talk about the service loan forgiveness program that was supposed to forgive the loans of people who agreed to uh, engage in public service, whether you're working at a nonprofit or working at a, you know, a local hospital or teaching in education. The government said, all right, we're not going to, we understand you're doing a service to the community. So we're going to reduce the burden of student debt by reducing the time it takes to pay off the loan, right? So uh, the, the public service loan forgiveness program is actually a 10-year repayment plan. Up until recently, 98% of people who have completed that 10-year repayment term or who has least thought that they have completed the 10-year term, their applications were rejected, okay? So wow. if you, you try to make the payment and you try to get rid of the debt, you know, it keeps getting worse and worse. But we, I will give credit to the Biden administration because they have implemented major reform to PSLF that will make it easier for people to count the payment that they have made and thereby fast-track their, their path to forgiveness. The, the administration has also proposed plan relating to the income-driven repayment plan to make it easier for borrowers who have made this payment to have mm. forgiven. But before these major reform, like a 98% rejection rate, completely unacceptable. So those are things that we try to highlight. Like it's not just about the debt. It's about the system itself being broken that even when you try to pay, you think you are making an effort in trying to bring this debt down, but you realize that you actually owe more while you're paying because the way the interest rate is set up, you know, it keeps going up and, you know, we have what we call a negativization. Right. So you're paying interest on top of interest and you look at your balance and say, hey, I'm paying, you know, X, Y, and Z amount of money per month, but yet your student debt is still going up. Those are things that need major reform, you know, to really fix the system. Cancellation is not going to fix the system entirely. Cancellation is going to help, but you need major reform to fix their existing relief program so that it can work as intended. That really seems to be the fundamental issue here, right? Like you said, the system is not working as is intended. And from what you've said, I'm curious to get you and Tamara's perspectives and opinions on this issue in general, because as I mentioned, this is really about propelling economic justice. It's about propelling racial justice. It's about making it fair for all Americans. I'm clearly a proponent of this. I'm confident that President Biden will 
fulfill this promise. To what extent, I don't know, but it's certainly something that I support, even if it may not benefit me. I'd rather have some Americans being lifted from this burden than none at all. So Tamara, one, I'll go to you first. What's your opinion on, on this? Is this something that you support? Alpha, after she answers her question, I have a similarly want to ask you the same question, but from a different lens. Okay. Yeah, so for me, I am kind of on the fence about it, to be honest. Um, I don't think really anything in life is free. So I'm interested to see the effects of this, if this is implemented. Um, I know this administration has promised a lot of stuff and they have not gone through with it. So as far as putting my faith in this, you know, really seeing this come to full fruition, I honestly don't think it's going to happen. Are you supporting to the extent he does do anything? Are you in support of that or no? As far as forgiving debt, because I'm thinking about it as far as an agreement, and there's no consideration here. Typically, when you've had people who are private workers, are in the military, or nurses in the military, are people who are in education, federal employees, they typically have a 10-year program to where you can pay off your debt or make small installment payments for a 10-year period, and then you have your debt or the remainder of your debt forgiven, essentially. But to just say that you're going to forgive this amount of debt and there's no consequences to the other millions of other taxpayers, I don't really see that happening. So that's why I'm really indifferent about it just as a taxpayer and just really as an American, because I don't think that it will just be a free ride for the rest of us, to be honest. So I want to see how it plays out. And if it is an initiative that he will go through with, I'm just really interested to see the financial effects and consequences for the rest of the Americans. So it sounds like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you think there's going to be some conditions on on this loan forgiveness. It's not just going to be a, a free waving thing that he's going to place some conditions on. Oh, it. That's, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be conditions for the rest of us. And I'm interested to see what those conditions look like. So. I'm a little leery. No, 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 completely, completely understandable. And that's an interesting perspective. And Alpha, feel free to comment on, on what Tamara and I just said. But I similarly have that question for you. And also, what has the opposition looked like in your capacity with the National Consumer Law Center and what you guys are doing concerning this crisis? Has this been a big partisan issue on the Democrat and Republican side? I'm not going to comment as to the politics, right? Because my goal with the NCLC, we represent low-income people. And if it's a good policy, whether it's a Democratic policy or a Republican policy, if it benefits low-income people and help remove our client base from poverty, you know, we'll support it. We've supported legislation on both sides of the aisle before, and we continue to do that. Tamara raised an important point, an important argument that may be, be some sort of a conditions in regards to how the president implement this, this loan forgiveness programs. And I mean, based on what we've been hearing is that they are considering maybe limiting it to income, but also considering, you know, doing what we call means testing, because they are trying to make sure that it gets to a certain amount of borrowers. Not everyone, you know, should, should get the cancellation. And the problem with that is that there's no good way to do it, right? To do any sort of income base or, or to tailor it to income, you need, you know, tax information from borrowers. The Department of Educa Education don't have that information. They don't have the authority. There's no existing model allowed. 
do that. So you can't do it that way. And for for black borrowers, it's actually because black people, the way we are being impacted, it's the, if you try to look at it just through the lens without considering the disproportionate impact and the other issues, you're going to harm black people and black women because some black women are earning more, right? But the debt that they have is higher. The responsibility that they have to their family and the responsibility that they have in regards to, you know, kind of, you know, being the first person in that, in that family to make it to college, trying to help extend their family members. I mean, we don't factor in, you know, all those things into account. So in the end, just going by income alone, it's not going to provide that equity that we're looking for. And the last thing, I mean, taxpayer, the argument that it's not going to be benefit taxpayers is actually really, you know, I think it's misguided because taxpayers are going to benefit when you have more Americans participating in the economy, in the economy fairly. And taxpayers are going to benefit when we have a, a racially, economically fair system where everyone, regardless of your background, you're able to move forward without having the debt drain you down while you're trying to jump over that ladder of poverty. The, the last question I have for you as we pivot on wrapping this episode up, when is it going to happen? I think all of us have been curious in regards to when we think the Biden administration is going to move on this. And you may not have a definitive answer, but I'm curious on that. And, and secondly, what, if anything, would you tell Americans, particularly those who are, are overwhelmingly and disproportionately impacted by this, what advice or suggestions that you would tell them concerning this issue that you think is important for them to know? As far as the timing, no one knows when President Biden is going to cancel student debt. The last time he said that it was going to be that we're going to see some action coming in weeks. So we don't know exactly. The chances are very likely that it may happen, but it's also that that five to ten percent chance that it may not happen. Even if it happened, it may not be what most Americans are hoping that it is going to be. It may be a little bit harder to get the cancellation. They may have to require some sort of a application to do we actually make it harder for the poor people because if you're really trying to help poor people the more red tips that you create the more requirements you create the harder it is for them to get the relief that you want them to get because they don't have the resources i mean i used to work at legal aid most of my clients didn't have computers most of my clients you know didn't even have the education to read the forms right they need help with that so the moment you made a requirement that you have to apply to get this relief the moment you put a requirement that we have to see your income to get this relief you are excluding those low-income borrowers who are being burdened, you know, and then you're actually really helping the middle class or the higher-income borrowers who actually have more education can actually have the access to apply for this program, you know, you know, a little bit more quicker. So the form and the shape of what Biden is going to do, no one knows except for Biden and the folks in the White House. But what we are advocating for is that we want broad-based relief. We want relief that is at least, uh, you know, $50,000, up to $50,000, to really make a dent in fighting this issue, to really make a dent in trying to provide economic relief for those Americans who have been struggling with this debt. And what we are thought is that we move to, we should move together collectively. You know, we should move together collectively toward economic success. We should move toward collectively towards economic justice. We shouldn't leave someone behind because they didn't have the opportunity to generate wealth to pay their way through college. So this should be seen as a way of like, hey, the more equal and fairer America gets, the better it is for America. Student loan forgiveness is not going to eliminate all of the problems that black people are facing. I mean, it's not really going to close 
the racial wealth gap. It's not going to do that, but it's going to help people move closer toward achieving full economic uh, equality and also towards achieving economic mobility. So, I mean, for your listeners out there, put yourself in that single mother shoes. We went to a beauty college for the sole purpose of making things better for our family. And when she got there, she got an education thinking that she was going to benefit from it. But it turns out that the degree that she got was not worth the paper it was printed on. But yet, she is still paying for that loan while at the same time trying to provide for her family, to take care of her children, trying to invest in retirement. If you remove that student loan debt, it will allow her to invest her money so we may have had some technical difficulties, but I think you all got a good understanding is of where Alpha was ending with his last point regarding this topic is that, you know, at least from how I took it, this is not really an issue about I, it's about thinking collectively and putting ourselves in the shoes of other, particularly those constituent groups that are really disproportionately overwhelmingly impacted with the student debt crisis, but also that group will, that will greatly impact it positively should President Biden forgive to what extent that may be student loan debt. I thank Alpha for being on this episode today, particularly as our first guest and also discussing such an important topic. It's also interesting because we just finished talking about one of his other promises, as I mentioned earlier, um, Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson and Tamara and I have had the privilege now to talk about his second promise. So we will see if he will do it. But from my end, that's a WAP. And again, thank you for all of those who tune in. And thank you again, Alpha. Thank you, Alpha.